Thanks for tuning in to Voices in DevOps. If you enjoy this podcast, please check out John's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com, where he covers all things DevOps, data, and strategy, addressing many of the topics covered in Voices in DevOps. Hello and welcome to this uh, edition episode uh, of uh, Voices in DevOps, where I'm here to speak to Jane Grohl, who's, I hope you pronounced your name right there, Jane. Uh, let me check I've got that right from the start. Yeah, you did. Excellent, excellent. So, who is CEO of, of the DevOps Institute, uh, which I'm literally reading from the website here, Advancing the Humans of DevOps, which we'll definitely get into. But before we do, uh, as we like to do on, on these podcasts, uh, how about we just uh, start with a little bit about you and your background and, and what brought you to be um, running the DevOps Institute and, uh, and, and, and talking to me at this moment in time? So, so thanks, John, and hi, everyone. So I am Jane Grohl. I'm CEO of the DevOps Institute. And, you know, yeah. my path to DevOps has been really kind of fascinating and almost accidental. So I've been in IT a long time. I've served in um, several uh, senior management roles. And then about 15 years ago, founded uh, ITSM Academy at the early days of ITIL. And so along the way, got to know a whole bunch of, of very, very interesting people, one of whom is Gene Kim, author of The Phoenix Project. And in 2012, Gene invited my business partner and I to a DevOps days in Mountain View, California. And it was really the early days of DevOps where there was still debate about whether DevOps would trans, uh, be able to cross over the chasm into the enterprise community. And there uh-huh. was just spirit or a spark there. And and we sort of saw it and said, this is something very different and very special, and it doesn't fit into different models. And then fast forward to 2015, and uh, a couple of us got together and said, you know what, DevOps is really starting to reach into the enterprise space, and there's so much information about it because it's so broad. We really do need to create a community a member community where curation of these emerging practices occur, uh, really helping to stand up communities of practice, and then also looking at what are the skills associated with successful transformation. And so we introduced uh, seven certifications, very skill-specific certifications around uh, DevOps. And since that time, our community has grown exponentially. Uh, We just joined the Continuous Delivery Foundation. We do an annual a community survey uh, known as upskilling. So we really look at um, skills transformation from a which skills, right? So if you're a human of DevOps, which skills should you be focusing on? And I'm very fortunate to talk to people like you um, and other influencers in the space to really understand what are those voices of DevOps. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, that's yeah. That remains to be seen. We haven't finished this yet. You might change your mind. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm fascinated by uh, one thing you said, which was ITSM, um, and what I have seen quite frequently in the world of DevOps is, uh, and I, I spoke to Andy Mann. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with Andy at Splunk uh, about this uh, previously. About a lot of DevOps is seen as kind of big dev, little ops. Um, and anyone that's got the background that's uh, ops-related uh, doesn't necessarily see big ops, little dev, but certainly sees a, a bit more balance there. So, so I'm interested in your perspective for a start in terms of uh, uh, that big, small, or big, big, or because or, some people are saying, for example, oh, we don't need ops at all. It's just no ops. It's gone. Not a problem. 
<laughs> so it, it is fa fascinating. Of course, I know Andy really well and, and uh, you know, we've collaborated on the term new ops, which by the way, I coined. So um, I'm kind of, you know, proud of that. He so, did not say that. He did not I know, say that. He never says that, but it's true. <laughs> uh, so, um, but in any event, you know, it's it's really interesting because there are some that think it's dev dev, and there are some that think it's ops ops, and and I can put a little data behind that actually. So I, I mentioned we run this annual uh, survey, uh, which will, uh, by the way, launch again in in August, and looking at what skills are considered important. And ironically, from a, a functional skill perspective, by the way, half the respondents self-identified as dev and half the response uh, self-identified nice. as okay. Well, couldn't ask for better, right? Um, number one uh, process skill with software development lifecycle. So everybody needs to understand SDLC. Number one, two, and three functional skills that everybody needs to know was IT operations, infrastructure, and security. So again, kind of fascinating, right? That regardless of what role you're in, we need to cross-pollinate. You know, the term no-ops had a good intention, right? That we need to be able to automate more of the operational toil that's coming out of SRE, right? So we need to be able to reduce that amount of manual work. The problem with no ops is people interpret it as no job, no respect, right? And so they, <laughs> they didn't necessarily hear that no ops necessarily meant new ops. And so from a from a, a operational perspective, everybody needs to understand operations. But if you look at emerging practices like site reliability engineering, which very much is trending very fast and and very high right now, mm -hmm. operations is still quite alive. Um, and I think that organizations are hiring really hundreds of SREs because it's a real job and its approach to service management is that kind of marriage of people, process, and technology. If you don't mind, let me just say one more thing about ITSM because I think it's- Sure, please do. So I have a long heritage in the ITIL and ITSM space and I absolutely think that um, those that suspect that ITSM is dead are wrong, right? We will always need to manage services, right? Products roll up into services. How we do that, I think, you know, may change. And SRE, I think, is a great example of that. Doesn't mean that ITIL and others are, are no longer valid, but I think that, you know, we have to start to look at how do we modernize that, right? So uh, loyalty to a particular framework, loyalty to a particular set of guidance, is where IT is going to run into its challenges. It's it's kind of like the seven kingdoms of Game of Thrones, right? Where everybody's very loyal to their realm um, and thinking that each of these ingredients is that is you know the silver bullet. It's not. But we will need to manage services. We obviously need to have operational practices, and developers need to learn that, and operations folks need to learn how to code. Mm -hmm. And I think as, as you're speaking, I was uh, I was uh, recording a webinar with uh, Source Labs this week, and uh, we we were talking a lot about automation. Um, and what was fascinating about the conversation around automation was the fact that automation is very hard. Which you know, I know, anyone that's actually tried to automate things know because uh, you've got complexity breathing down your neck as as you're trying to automate anything. So you you, you automate the simple stuff, and then and then you spend the rest of your life trying to make, trying to make it work for everything else. Um, but the no ops automate. There is this still this assumption that um, 
everything's going to, all the problems are going to go, go away. Whereas in my experience with, with automation, whereas in my experience, there's always more to do. Having been an IT manager and IT director and so on, you're never done. There's there's always a thousand more things that you'd get around to if only the, the even harder things uh, got out of the way. So there'll always be jobs. There'll always be things to do. That's That's my view anyway. Oh, I, I absolutely agree with you. You know, automation doesn't happen um, through other automation, right? So uh, Jez Humble in his, in his continuous delivery book says, you know, let the, let the computers do the boring repetitive work um, and let people do what only people can do, at least for today, right? Hello, AI, um, which is critical thinking skills. And so we need people to be able to automate. And we need people to feel really comfortable with automating that repetitive, boring, SRE calls it toil. I mean, what a, you, know, you say the word toil and you can almost feel that burden on your back. Um, let's, you know, we've done a really good job of automating the rest of the world. We just haven't done a really good job of automating ourselves. And you're right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard. So with that in mind, and I'm, I'm staring literally at your skills, knowledge, learning, ideas picture on your website, which uh, anyone else can look at exactly the same way as I am. So it's not like I'm staring at something no one can access. Um, I, DevOps Institute, um, what, what do you bring to the party, et cetera? But segue into how do you see the challenges for the organizations that you're uh, looking to help, what 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 are the real kind of crying out for help kind of cries that you get? So um, so so thank you by the way for looking at our website. So so we've introduced uh, so we very much focus on the human aspects of of DevOps, and we use the word human intentionally because regardless of any other characteristics, we are human. Right. So regardless of where you are, regardless of other aspects of your life, we're all human. And so I'm going to kind of go a little bit in reverse, John, and that's that one of the biggest challenges is that a lot of organizations are confused about the human aspect of DevOps. So automation, even though it's hard, it's easier. We know how to buy software. We know how to implement uh, applications. We've been doing that a very, very long time. And even though we're looking at it from a different perspective, it's a comfort zone uh, for most in IT because it's what we do, right? But up, so updating software, adding, you know, virtual infrastructure, going to the cloud. Yeah, there's some challenges, but again, it's in our wheelhouse. Updating people is, is something we're not really comfortable with. We haven't done it. Uh, we're a pretty young industry. So really looking at the organizations that have been massively successful, it's not because they're showcasing their amazing pipeline. It's because they're showcasing something that they did culturally, something they did very uh, humanistic uh, that really kind of took them to a different place. Uh, you know, organizations that introduced dojos or uh, Amazon just announced a $700 million investment in upskilling. You know, those are the organizations that are taking substantive steps to update their people as much as they're updating their software. And I think that's a very, very big differentiator that most enterprises need to focus on. At DevOps Institute, we introduced a SKIL or skill framework, looking at kind of the holistic needs of updating the human. So skills would be certifications, job boards, things that grow your career, right? So things you would put on your CV, opportunities for you to develop skills assessments, learning paths, um, and th those will absolutely grow your, your career, but it's not enough. 
right? K is knowledge. And so knowledge comes from books and it comes from podcasts like this, comes from uh, surveys and research case studies that give you passive insight. It doesn't really tell you how to do something, but it gives you some really good ideas. If you're going to have ideas, you need to have opportunities to share those ideas with others. And that's our I. And so those are events and their forums and Slack channels and opportunities to make the community interoperable so that they can share ideas with each other instead of necessarily reinventing the wheel. And then finally, the last part of our skill framework is L, and that's continuous learning, kind of bite-sized learning. We just introduced a series called Continuous Learning Minutes. Uh, by some pretty good influencers, some of you of whom I'm sure you know and have mentioned already, that are just going to give you two or three minutes of what is something, right? So what is toil, for example, or what is release automation or what is cultural resilience? And so we're recruiting a whole bunch of, of thought leaders to just record these two or three minute uh, videos that help the market develop a common understanding of what is Kubernetes or cloud native or, you know, terms you hear in the hallway. And so that's part of continuous learning, much of which is not certification worthy, um, but can be very, very bite-sized. So SKIL is really what DevOps Institute is bringing to the market. Just if you don't mind one more thing, uh, we are a member community. Membership is free and it will remain free. So at some point, if we have premium offerings, we'll explore that. But I really do encourage people to just come and join. We're not going to hit you with an invoice. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, hold the podcast. I'm just, I'm just going to register. Uh, but but uh, please. I'll come up. Yeah, please. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, uh, keep, keep talking. I'll just get that. Let's see if I can get it done by the end of the podcast. So um, I, I'm fascinated. You're firing off so many synapses here, um, which I guess is uh, this is your trick. You're a, you're a training organization. It's what you're supposed <laughs> to do. Um, but uh, one of them, uh, I don't know if you know the name, but Tony Christensen at uh, RBS, um, who I, I've been following RBS's uh, progress into more agile practices um, for a few years because uh, we've done work together at various times. And most recently, in fact, it was uh, the DOES summit in London last year, it was the last time I saw Tony, and he said, we've decided to focus on continuous learning as our ultimate goal. Um, so I, I don't know if uh, he's been to your courses or if he uh, or if the organization just arrived at that point uh, off their own bat, but uh, uh, that there is uh, um, provenance and um, uh, pr proof that other people are, are doing precisely the same thing. But what, what, how does, con so while I can see it fitting into a cycle, um, does it also, uh, as Tony intimated, fit, do organizations mature towards these models? And uh, if so, where, where, where do you see them start? Um, is skills the, f the lowest level of maturity or is it more of a cycle thing? Does that make sense as a kind of philosophical? No, it, it does. And it's a really, really great question. I just want to clarify. So DevOps Institute actually doesn't teach anything. Um, so we accredit seven certifications. We have about 200 partners around the world that teach classes that uh, meet the requirements of our certifications. But we do interact with a lot of training companies, right? So we yep. understand kind of what the need is. You know, the interesting thing about skills is I would tell you two years ago, skills was probably something that was expected to be organic, right? It was expected to be something that people did on their off hour. 
right? Whether you're going to take an e-learning class, maybe they would they would get funding to go to a two or three day class. Uh, but it was something that was budgeted. Training budgets always have been very healthy, but wasn't necessarily part of the key paradigm, particularly if it wasn't technical training. Now, I will tell you, in the ITIL and the Agile space, organizations have funded a lot of training, right? But, uh, but again, generally, from a DevOps perspective, which skills, what training, um, how do you know, um, I think became really important. What's fascinating now is there's a little bit of a flip, probably over the last year to 18 months, where there's a huge talent gap. I mean, if you go out on LinkedIn, I think there's 60,000 jobs that have the word DevOps in it, right? So there's this huge skills gap right now. Uh, organizations that present at events like uh, DevOps Enterprise Summit talk about you know skill constraints or skills transformation. So skilling has definitely, and upskilling has definitely risen. I mentioned the Amazon investment. So I think that organizations are now realizing that, um, first of all, they need to invest in skilling. Um, going out to the talent market where there's such a competition for uh, talent on the market means that they have to take some intentional steps to allow individuals to continuously uh, continuously learn. Even in the data from the R upskilling report, the predominant thinking was to hire from within and to upskill existing employees. So that's good news for anyone that works for an enterprise as your organization is invested in you. I also think it's much more int intentional. You know, I mentioned dojos. People learn a lot of different ways. And a dojo is a very immersive environment where uh, companies starting with a U.S. retailer Target and then now other organizations have done it, have hired coaches that kind of immerse you into a new way of working um, for you know a period of time and then send you back out into the wild and bring another team in. So continuous learning is very much a principle of DevOps. It's one of Gene Kim's three ways. Um, I think enterprises are realizing it's kind of upskill or die, right? You either upskill your staff uh, or upskill through talent acquisition or you're going to get left behind. Mm. And we are seeing a lot of um, organizations that fired a lot of their engineers but you know 10 years ago and now they're they're madly trying to recruit them and struggling and that's part of the reason we've got such a skills gap because uh, they yeah. thought they could get away without them <laughs> it, but it, it, it was it does make me laugh because um ultimately i can't see what a bank is other than a software company I, i've never been able to understand that it's a transaction engine in the sky um with with branches so the thought that you can do it without engineers uh, always uh, boggled me a little bit, but there you go. So question for you, uh, and you, you, this cultural idea, um, I don't want to kind of, I don't want to, but I do want to dwell on it because I, I don't want to dwell on the philosophy of it. I, I'd like to get into the practicality of it. And a lot of times uh, I speak to uh, a DevOps uh, company or, or, or people promoting DevOps, et cetera, et cetera, and they'll say, yada, 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 continuous, yada, 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 this, that, yeah. and yada, 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 <laughs> deployment, but you need a cultural change. And it's kind of left as a kind of uh, adjunct to, to everything else. Um, and I don't see how... It, it's almost like they're always working back from the answer, like, well, we've worked with loads of organizations that have already succeeded because they have a different culture. Therefore, everyone else needs a cultural change. So I'm wondering how to advise people that don't have that culture in place 
because you can't just say to them, right, what you need is a cultural change. Can you have it by Monday? Because that would be really <laughs> helpful. Uh, where, what, do you, what do you do? I mean, where, where does one start to, to actually change culture to make it uh, DevOps friendly? Well, and thank you for that question, because um, I, I really have sort of an organic approach to that. First of all, you're absolutely right. Culture is not surgical. You can't surgically remove the old culture and surgically reattach a new one. But sometimes when we use the word culture, there's culture, there's an implication that you can, right? Uh, Karen yeah. Ferris, a really well-known culturist, wrote an ebook for us on cultural resilience, which is individual, like how to be resilient in a time of cultural change. Culture doesn't transform. People transform, right? Humans transform when they're inspired to do so. So culture is a roll-up from people. In fact, if you look at the definition of culture, it's the social and psychological behaviors of individuals in an organization. So how they socialize and how they, um, how they psychologically approach their organization and uh, really does impact culture. Atlassian announced this week that part of their performance reviews is going to have a very cultural, social aspect of it. And it's not just being friendly, right? It really is trying to make sure that there, there is better collaboration, but that's intentional. So you have to give people an opportunity to uh, transform. Part of it is upskilling. Part of it are things like hackathons, internal DevOps days, uh, you know, encouraging them to listen to podcasts like this, really providing a supportive and nurturing environment that helps people transform. Now, people don't transform the same way, right? So I may transform or I may adopt a new approach faster than you. You may adopt it faster than somebody else. I mean, if you kind of look at that curve of early adopters to laggards, you know, you'll see that there are some people you have to bring kicking and screaming along the way or leave them behind. But it has to be something that people feel socially and psychologically that they are a key part of what's happening in the environment and that they're being encouraged, motivated, inspired by a transformational leader who will give them the confidence for them to try something different, give them the confidence to be able to experiment and also just give them the support if they fail. You know, DevOps talks a lot about, you know, mindful failure, um, nobody wants to fail, but, um, you know, the opportunity for failure as an improvement model is, you know, embedded in DevOps and embedded in site reliability engineering. So it is very people-based. It's not, it's not surgical. Mm. And, uh, it, um, yeah, the, the notion of fail fast. I can remember actually back to uh, – um, Back to when I had a real job, uh, and uh, and I had, I, I had I had performance reviews, and and someone advised me never be honest in your performance review because the some bosses uh, would treat honesty as weakness. Um, so if you said, for example, oh well, I'm not very good at um, uh, timekeeping, they they wouldn't say, oh well, how can we help you? They'd say, right, okay. Won't give you a pay rise then. It's, it's, so the the culture goes uh, in, in so many different directions, doesn't it? Um, and, and given what you bring to the party, that whole skills, knowledge, um, um, ideas, learning stuff, which how how can we apply each of those? So is upskilling the kind of key that unlocks all of the doors? Um, so start with skills, start with skills, start with skills and, and knowledge, ideas and learning will kind of uh, roll out because of those kind of consequences of that. Or do you have to actively 
um, deal with the other areas as well and nurture each one like in separate um, uh, I'm almost imagining a chemistry set now with you know separate bowls of uh, of goodness going on so there's no perfect formula start anywhere right no. so you know start with continuous learning minutes and build your vocabulary right to get to hear some pretty interesting people describe some pretty interesting topics and that series will grow uh take a class right take a devops foundation class you know we spend i went to 16 conferences last year my team uh actively curates uh, a lot of the practices some of which you'll never ever see in a book right, that just kind of grew up in the wild. So, so sit in a class, take a virtual class, take an e-learning class, uh, bring training into your organization, you know, through one of our partners, or read the upskilling report, right, uh, again. And, 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 you know, I am not arrogant enough to think that everything we have is the only thing. We really do serve as curators. So we we're introducing a Guru Cafe, go grab a cup of coffee, uh, you know, go into our Guru Cafe, which is, you know, really just off of our website, uh, read an ebook, uh, listen to a podcast, you know, do something on a daily basis that's, that's kind of uh, upskilling mindfulness, right, kind of a wellness program. Um, it doesn't mean that you start with a skill or you start, you know, with knowledge and then the rest of it follows. Start anywhere, right? Continuous learning hopefully becomes part of your regimen. Um, and something that you, your boss, your organization support. And by the way, if you learn something, share it with one of your colleagues um, and, and be able to cross-pollinate because that's cultural shift as well. That's, I mean, that's a, a huge message I'm getting out of this. And that the, there's a lot of seven habits going on, on behind the scenes in, in what we hear, the, uh, learn, then teach, uh, sharpen the saw, all, all of those kinds of things. But the, if, if I'm getting one takeaway from this, um, as we start to wrap up, it's start learning. Just just start separating yourself from uh, the problem at hand and just start to kind of give yourself some space in which you can start to think properly, understand how to do that stuff better, take a course, listen to a podcast, um, uh, and then... Uh, I've written this down as a, a note to myself that uh, if you're if you're a boss, if you're if you're more a senior person, start encouraging that kind of behavior so other people can do that. And then, as you say, to share it, to nurture it, to uh, to cross pollinate it. Yeah, ab absolutely. And and um, you know, if I were if, if just to wrap up, I think it's a great day to be in IT. Really, it's a great day to be in IT. I've been in IT a little bit longer than I want to really admit to. Right? Where else do you get a job where you are now encouraged to learn every single day. You're encouraged to experiment, right? You're encouraged to collaborate. Uh, not only encouraged, you're required to learn. You're required to think disruptively, right? That's amazing, right? If I were a young person entering into this space today, yeah, it's a little bit scary and it's a little big, but there are a lot of jobs out there that don't require you to do that. So I would absolutely embrace the fact that from an IT perspective, you know, we're, we're really in a pretty good place and your talent is needed. Um, so uh, again, I would, I would celebrate that. Well, what a great, I'd love to speak to you much, much, much longer. And I, I really hope we can <laughs> talk again, but what a great note to finish on. Uh, Jane, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, and one last thing I did want to say, and you, you guys do have great socks. 
Oh, <laughs> yes, we are really, really well known for our socks. So if you are at any of the events we're at, I think next one for us will be DevOps World, Jenkins World in San Francisco. Come by and score a pair of the coolest socks on the planet. There you go. Thank you so much, Jane. Thank you, John. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in DevOps, please check out the other ones. Scaling DevOps for the Enterprise is the focus of a recent report John wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about how digital transformation is evolving, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on IT operations and business strategies.